Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome back to our first joint Texas Hill Country podcast and for investing. I'm joined today by our guest, Christy Vandenberg, but more importantly, my good friends and colleagues, Gilbert Pies and Andrew Gay. We are going to visit with Christy about her passion for the ultimate gift of life. Andrew, take it away. Thanks, Tom. Christy, thank you for being here. Well, thanks for inviting me back. Yeah, you bet. It's always good to talk with you. <laughs> so why don't you start by uh, telling us a little bit about your background and how and why you decided to get involved with organ donation advocacy? Okay. Um, well, I've been in the nonprofit sector my whole life. Uh, when I uh, graduated from school, I started working for the Red Cross. I worked there for 37 years and uh, made a decision that I was going to retire. I was here in the Hill Country with the Hill Country chapter of the Red Cross. And one of my board members approached me once I announced my retirement and she said, would you consider running another small nonprofit here in the Hill Country? And I said, well, I'll consider it. What's it about? And she started talking a little bit about organ donation and how um, at that time there were less than 30% of Kerr County residents actually registered as organ donors. And this was back in 2007. So um, I said, well, no, that's wrong. 2014, because I was with the Red Cross in 2007. So she asked me if I would do that. And I said, sure, I would. I, she didn't necessarily have a personal story, but she did say she would uh, help financially to get it started. Um, we used her lawyer to draw up all the paperwork for a nonprofit and all that kind of stuff. And uh, for many years, they were involved in it, her and her husband. Since then, she's taken some turn for the worse in terms of some of her health and uh, too much information about insurance and all that stuff to go into. But since that time, they've stepped back. So we continue. We have a board. We have a transplant recipient on our board. We have a transplant donor on our board who gave a kidney. And we have a mom, uh, what do we call a donor mom, who lost her son. And she is on our board. So we have a lot of people representing kind of all aspects of organ donation. So our main goal is uh, getting people educated because back when I started, there were just, and there still are actually, a lot of myths going around about organ donation, that horrible idea that you're going to wake up in a tub of ice and someone's going to have taken one of your organs. Just doesn't happen, um, especially in the U.S., let's put it that way. There are some pretty strange practices in some of the other countries still um, where they actually can sell an organ. That's illegal totally in the U.S. So it's really a question of just figuring out how to get more people registered so that you've got this larger donor pool when they pass away and their better chance that someone who's on that waiting list is going to get a matching organ. So that's that's really some of the bread and butter is the recipient, the yep. pool, right? Yep. The supply side. The that's equation. right. That's have right. You, have you ever seen the movie John Q? I have. Yeah. Yeah. That when I think about organ donation, I know that not necessarily all of them are that dramatic, but right. they definitely, I think, 
individually, case by case, could probably all be said that they were that impactful or life changing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's amazing. You know, we think we live in Kerrville, and we think that um, it had this happens must happen in San Antonio and Houston and Dallas. Here. It doesn't happen here. Well, you've got the Davida Kidney Dialysis Center right up the road from you here, and they are full up with people who cannot don't have a transplant and so they spend you know three to four hours three days a week there at that center having their blood transfused so that they can actually keep going keep going and you know that's not an easy road uh you you have make that decision that that's what you have to do but it's not an easy road it's not like it's this miracle cure for um, the problems you have with your kidney. It does make you feel better. It will sustain your life. But right now, the average wait time for a person to get a kidney is about five to seven years if you're waiting on someone to die. And most of that is due strictly because the the supply and demand imbalance. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Wow. And we're doing better in Texas. I will tell you that our donor, uh, the number of registered donors in Kerr County right now is over 75%. So we've come a long way from being under 30. But I travel all over Texas trying to talk to people about it because there's just, again, misconceptions that have to do with everything from age to, you know, I'm too old. To donate. Well, the oldest donor in Texas was 97. You might not be too old to do that. Um, one of our success stories was a girl who grew up in Ingram and she got a liver when she was six months old. She's about 24 now, uh, very healthy, doing all the things that she wants to do, but she would have not gotten that extension. She would not have gotten those extra years, those good years, because she was, she was basically the doctors had prepared her parents um, that she wasn't going to make it. So, and we don't think about babies being, right. being donors. We don't think about older people being donors. That is the number one thing I hear in Kerrville though. I'm too old. <laughs> mm. You know, it's very interesting to me while you're ex describing all of that. I think about you know, the, the realm that Gilbert and I live in and, and we have to battle a lot of myths too. And it's mm -hmm. just, there's a lot of parallels there as far as people getting their hands on the, on incorrect information or incomplete information, right. Or in some cases that there's so much information that it's overwhelming and they don't really know the right questions to ask to get the right information or where to start to try to learn, uh, the, the correct information to try to build out that, that picture. Well, you know, we, we ask these kids when they're getting their driver's license for the first time, we ask them, do you, are you going to check the box? You know, are you going to check the box that says you're a donor? And sometimes that's asked at the driver's license place, yes. but sometimes it's not. And so there's just this little box and whether they check it or not, probably has to do with uh, whether they talk to their parents or their parents could even provide any information for them. I uh, get out to Tyvee High School in the spring each year to try and talk to the sophomores and juniors. 
and just talk to them about what it means. I mean, what's true and what's not true. Um, but a lot of people, again, med medicine makes advances every year. So used to be, used to be, if you had ever had cancer, you couldn't be a donor. Now you can. As long as you're cancer-free for five years, you can be a donor. We have a living donor here, a nurse, who had cancer. And six years later, she donated. She's a living donor. She gave away a kidney. Um, wow. Other misconceptions. Uh, hepatitis. You know, used to be if you'd ever had hepatitis, you couldn't donate. Now you can because we have so many more uh, medications that will deal with the effects of hepatitis now. And there are people on the waiting list who have had hepatitis. So they really don't care if their donor had hepatitis in the past. So there's just those kinds of things keep happening. Um, so when I get someone who says, well, my doctor told me I can't, usually what I say is go back and check with your doctor. They recently changed the rules on um, for blood donation on that whole thing with mad cow disease in England. Uh, used to be that if you had been in England any time during that, you couldn't donate blood. Well, now you can not only donate blood, but you can also donate organs. So, oh wow, yeah, now, that's, a, that's uh, enough for me. One of you guys, okay, you're up. <laughs> I'll step in, Christy. If you don't mind, talk a little bit more about living donation because I think a lot of people think about the ultimate gift of life, thinking they have to die first before they can donate. Talk a little bit more about the actual process to donate if you're still alive. Okay, there is a website, a living donor website, where you can go up and you can not only get that information, but you can uh, get registered with a certain hospital. And we have a great transplant hospital in San Antonio. Um, they're not going to do a transplant in Kerrville. If there's someone who's hurt and someone or someone who wants to donate voluntarily, as a living donor, they're going to refer you to talk to Methodist University, one of the hospitals there in San Antonio. The big thing is you need to, if it's a specific person that you want to donate it to, like I, you're my best friend and I want to give you a kidney, we may not be a match. We may not be a match. But if I'm still willing to give a kidney so that you will get a kidney, there is something out there called a paired donation. In other words, I have a good friend who is willing to give a kidney and maybe she's a match for you and the person that she has is maybe a match for somebody else. And we've seen these up to six to eight people involved. In other words, we got on any given day, we've got six people donating a kidney and six people receiving a kidney. So you have this line basically of operating rooms that um, they're basically recovering a kidney and then transplanting that kidney into the next person. And then they start all over again. So they just keep going. And we have um, a gentleman from Centerpoint. His son needed a kidney and he donated a kidney to his son. They were a good match. And then that kidney started to fail. 
So his daughter said she wanted to donate a kidney, but came to find out she wasn't a match. So she donated to someone else who had a donor who donated that back to his son. And we're just seeing amazing things. You know, um, one of the big questions is always, how long do they last? I mean, how long does a kidney last? Well, it's definitely going to depend on the person who received it. It's going to depend on their anti-rejection drugs and making sure that those levels are where they are. Um, but I've heard so many stories of people who got a new organ and they lived another 10 to 12 years. And because of that, they watched their grandkids be born. They watched somebody, one of their kids graduate from high school or college. So it's giving them that extra time. Now, having said that, we do have someone living in Kerrville who got a kidney 52 years ago, the wow. same kidney. He has not had any problems with it. He he's taken, it's interesting because they keep trying to make the drugs better, the medications better, probably shouldn't say drugs, medications better. But he has been on the same medication since he got that kidney when he was 21 years old. And it's 52 years later. So they don't all last that long, but there are amazing stories of 20, 25 years. Um, a lot of times when I hear about someone who passes, who got a, a donation and got a transplant, they usually, they pass due to something else. It's not because that that organ failed. They just, something else is wore out. So... Um, that's what we see there. But there is a whole process for it. You can register. You're going to have to go through some tests. If they find you a match, at that point, they're going to give, <laughs> bring you in and give you even a psychological test. I'd fail that in a heartbeat. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, probably not. But they want to make sure you're doing this for altruistic reasons, right. not that you're going to now go to the family and say, afterwards well i gave you a kidney you need to give me you need to write write me in your some will money right. right write me into your will yeah yeah so so how does somebody go about becoming a, an actual donor or or register to become one well the most common way that a lot of people become donors is that they actually do check the box when they go on their driver's license and this is again for donors that are deceased they're being kept alive artificially. They have no brain activity whatsoever. Because um, i that's the other thing is, you know, people will say, I, I don't want to donate because they're not going to try and save me. And I'm like, let's think about this. Let's think about this whole situation. You know, you're in an accident. Somebody calls EMS, EMS gets on the scene. What is their job? Their save job you. is to save you. That's right. So they're going to keep you alive. They're going to take you to the emergency room where there's an ER doctor there whose mission it is to save you. Uh, the last thing the doctors want to do is have to check and see if you're on the donor database because then they got to go talk to the family and say, you know, we've done everything we can. We've tried. That's that's really a hard thing. So 
that's not a valid reason. It's not a valid reason. Um, there are lots of different markers that determine if you're a match, but by the time you're in the ER and they've run the tests and they've checked everything, all that stuff, they have all that information from you and everybody who's on the waiting list has already got their information. So it's just a question of the computer matching you up. And the better the match, the more likely that that organ is going to stay viable for a long time. Now, now, is there a website to go to, or is there a we have a website? Yeah, like we have a website, ultimategiftoflife.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go up there, and there is actually up there a link if you want to get more information about living donation. But we also link right into the Texas donor database, which is Donate Life Texas. And you can go up there and fill out the form and you will be a donor. Uh, One of the things about registering online, when you register on your driver's license, it's kind of like, okay, you're a donor. Everything goes, anything goes type of thing. If you register online and you're just kind of, I don't know about donating. I'm going to use eyes for an example, because I had a lady who said to me at one of my events, she said, I just, I want to donate. I just don't want to donate my eyes. Um, She said, it's a religious thing for me. Uh, She was an American Indian. And she said, that's why I never donated my license. That's why I didn't check the box. And so we walked through the website because there's a place where it says you can specify which organs you would like to donate and which ones you don't want to donate and which ones you don't yeah. well, I'm, I'm lucky in that regard nobody wants my eyes because i can't see very well <laughs> <laughs> well it you know sometimes it's not the lenses it's the cornea that's right that's right that's right excellent tom over to yeah, you sir uh Christy, let me uh, take things in a little bit different direction for those watching on youtube they see two small christmas trees or tiny trees of hope Tell us about the Tiny Trees of Hope. So seven years ago, uh, we decided we needed to do a fundraiser. And being in Kerrville, we didn't want to do another golf tournament. (laughs) Seems to be the most popular type of fundraiser here. We like to play our golf out here. Everywhere, I think that now that's what it is. So we were looking for something that would be unique. We know that uh, people who settle here, a lot of people are retired. Um, so they probably already have a six to eight foot tree. Um, now, whether they decide they want to ever put that up again is up to them because I, some people tell me they're just tired of putting up a large tree. We decided to do these tiny trees. So we have a band of volunteers. We help put these together and we um, sell them for a donation and um, these two would range anywhere from 200 to 300. The smaller one, obviously, the lesser of the two. Sometimes it depends on the ornaments. I've got a tree I'm working on right now that is a college-themed tree because people can tell me what university they would like their tree to be. Um, so I, I had I made a Texas Tech tree this week. I made a UT tree, and I made a Texas A&M just you know, to get those three out there. I haven't done an orange Georgia 
bulldogs tree. <laughs> you should give that A&M one to Tom. He would really like that. He would? Yeah. Or Is he a UT grad? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I yeah. do have a UT tree. <laughs> anyway, but when you get into that, you're starting to talk much more expensive ornaments. That's sure. just the way it is because they're all licensed. But that's how we determine what the tree is going to cost. Now, here's the benefit of these little girls. There you go. That star face. In that they look way. good. Um, we've got a little uh, redbird tree over here, cardinal tree. I know a lot of people like cardinals, so we have actually two of those this year. Um, we've got this one here with these kind of handmade ornaments, which are nice. Um, that's more traditional. It's got white lights and green lights and colored lights. The other one is all white. So there's really just a mash of them. Now, you know I'm in the Rotary Club. You know what Tyvee's colors are. And I did go to the University of Michigan. So I hey. have a maize and blue tree. <laughs> nice. But that doesn't really leave my house. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to make another one. Uh, because I know that there are some Tyvee fans out there who might want that, or Notre Dame, because they're they're kind of close, that they're gold close. versus yellow thing. Um, so we sell these. Uh, we partner with Grape Juice. They let us come in. We take that whole front area of Grape Juice, and it is full of tiny, lit Christmas trees. When you buy one, it comes in a box. You take it home, you pull it out of the box, and you plug it in. It's ready to go. If it needs, even needs to be plugged if in. If it even needs to be plugged in. That's correct. Now, at the end of the year, please don't take the ornaments off or the lights off. Just unplug it, put it back in the box, put a big garbage sack around it, tie it at the top, and this is how it'll come out next year when you want to put it back out. So I know we have a lot of people in um, caring for loved ones who maybe want a little tree in their room uh, at mm -hmm. a nursing center of, or assisted living center. We've got a lot of kids at Shriner who might want a little tree in their dorm room. I actually have these. I have at least two of them at my house just because I have a dark corner in my living room and I have my big tree up over in this corner and I'm thinking I need a little something over there. So that's where my um, Rotary Tyvee Michigan tree <laughs> Rotary resides. Tyvee, Michigan. That's awesome. <laughs> that's now, where it resides. Huh? How does somebody order one? If well, I'm so glad you asked that. Um, this order form, I, I actually brought you all a sample so you can see what it looks like. Um, for a $250 donation, you tell me what you want, and we will customize a tree for you. Um, that's kind of how it works. I have some people who say, a lady ordered one this week, and she said it's for a mobile home. So she said, not a three-foot. I really need a two-foot because there's just not that much room in a mobile home. So so that's what we're doing. Um we're there at Grape Juice uh, Thursday, starting after lunch. We load in a, just after lunch and set everything out. We're there basically till they close that night. Friday is the uh, lighted parade downtown because we're the weekend before Thanksgiving. So we're there until that's all done. And then by Saturday, hopefully, we're winding down and selling the rest of the trees. Excellent. By when do somebody have to get their order in? 
if they wanted it. You here's year. a pen right here. You just <laughs> fill that right out. There you go. Yes, I'm, I got my eye on that uh, cardinal tree over there. Well, you you know what? I I could leave that and not carry it back home. It sounds like a winner to me. All right. Hey. <laughs> Sold. 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 There you go. Sold. We got a little clap for you. There you go. All right, Tom. Sure. So, Christy, the um, I'm interested in if I wanted to be cremated. Uh huh. What's the process my body would go through? Would the organs be removed and then cremation in just regular due course? Would it okay. change any of that? It would not. Um, you can even have an open casket after organ donation. Um, I tell people that and they go, oh, but my eyes. And I'm like, you know, if I ever walk into a funeral and someone's eyes are open while they're in the casket, we're going to have a really hard time because I'm, I'm just not going to be good with that at all. But what happens is, again, you've gone to a medical center where they've tried to save your life. So there's going to come a point where they're going to return the remains to the family to do with what they want to do. Before that happens, in here in South Central Texas, someone from the Texas Organ Sharing Alliance if you are a donor, they're going to come out and talk to the family and say, Tom has indicated that he's willing to be an organ donor. Everything we have tried to save him has not been successful. So at this point, he's being kept alive artificially. We would like your permission to contact the people that he matches on the, on the list, and we would like to go ahead and remove the organs because it's not all of them. They're going to take the ones that are a match. And then the rest of you is returned to your family to be cremated or to be uh, buried. Um, people always talk to me about, I want to take everything with me. And I don't want to get into the whole burial process of what happens before you can be in a funeral and have a open casket. Yes. But most but people don't realize like embalming this, process. They do and not all that. realize what embalming means. All of your innards come out. That's that's <laughs> yeah. exactly they're coming right. out anyway. Yes, they're yes. coming out anyway. And I say that to people and they're like, oh no. And I'm like, oh yes. Well, oh yeah, yeah. If you're gonna be embalmed, that is what's gonna happen. So um, we talk about it sometimes at our booths when we're at booths, because we're at booths a lot of weekends. And we talk about, you know, this is one of the greatest recycling programs that there is out there in terms of using viable organs and helping someone else instead of burying them or throwing them away or burning them up. I'm going to be cremated as well. I don't really care what happens. I don't believe that this body's going anywhere with me. So, you know, wherever I go, I'm, I'm going to be pretty free to fly is the way I look at it. Um, and you know, dessert buffet all day long. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, right. So there you go. <laughs> Working out. No, I don't need to work. Well, I'll take a walk. Okay. Um, but that's that's really that question. That's a common question. The age is a common question. Previous medical history is a question. Um, 
this, again, the biggest reason overall is people don't think they're going to try and save you. And it's just not how it works. It's not what everybody has signed up for, if you will, who are in those medical positions. They've, they've signed up to try and help you and to try and save you. Now, um, can, can people make a designation in their um, medical power of attorney that they've given to somebody else that says, hey, listen, I want to be a living donor or I want to be a donor. Um, here's my instructions to follow that. And, and I want you to make sure that if there's no saving me that you donate my organs. Well, uh, you certainly should let whoever is your medical power of attorney or just your family know what your wishes are. Sure. You know, I think the saddest thing is when someone comes up to me at a booth and says, I wish I'd done that. Mm. I, I lost my daughter. I wish I had let her be a donor. But they asked me and they told me I only had so many hours to make this decision. And I was dealing with the tragedy of her death. I just couldn't make a decision that mm. fast. So how much better it is to make the decision and to have that just done, you know? So Aunt Loretta and Uncle Joe aren't trying to say, well, I, this is what she need, wanted. No, this is what she wanted. And have that tension. They don't need that. They don't need that at the time of a tragedy. They need to move forward and start grieving. And I, I hear about that happening and I'm like, oh. And, and I have had people say, well, I've got it in my will. And I said, and when will that be read? Right, after you're gone. Yeah. yeah. It By that time you're gone, and it's usually not like the next day. Mm -hmm. It's several days afterwards. So um, making those decisions while you, I mean, you have that right to do what you want to do with your body. And then I'll have, <laughs> I'll have a husband and wife. And the wife will say, oh, yeah, I'm a donor. I'm a donor. So is he. And he'll look at her and he'll go, no, I'm not. I'm not a donor. <laughs> and I'll say, well, I can register you. I'm right here. I've got a tablet. We'll get you registered. I don't, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, okay. So this is between the two of you. Right. And if I know the couple, I'll say something like, you might as well, because when you're gone, she's going to do it anyway. They're going <laughs> to let her make that decision for you. So. With or without it's just true. You right? might, well, it is. I mean, it, in it, most cases, it's going to be, yeah. well, it's going to be family. If you don't have it, you're not in the database. They're going to go to your family and they're yeah. going to say, what do you think? Um, but again, you have to be a match. You have to be a match yeah. for um whoever it is that really needs it. And then people say, well, my liver's no, you said your eyes were no good. My liver's no good. And I just don't even ask why. I just say, oh, but other parts of you are probably excellent. <laughs> the other thing that a lot of people don't know is as a living donation, you can donate part of your liver because your liver is the only organ in your body that regenerates. So you can give away 50% of your liver someone who needs a, a good liver and it will grow in them and mine will grow back. How interesting. Yeah. It's the only one that does that. I mean, hearts and stuff like that. People try and tell me they want to give me their brain. 
yeah, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not even going there. So <laughs> I just can't. Do there that. again, you probably wouldn't want mine. So we're good. Uh, <laughs> now, now, as the parent of minor children, can mm -hmm. I register them too? To yes. Donors? Yes. Okay. Any parents can register their kids. Their kids can't register until they've talked to their parents or gotten their parents' blessing, which is why uh, when I talk to the kids at Tyvee, some of them will have already registered, but for others who got a ride maybe to get their license and to do that, um, they really have to talk to their parents. So, uh, but parents can register their kids at any age, at any mm -hmm. age. So. You want to take us home, Andrew? Yeah, I was going to say, as we kind of wind down here, any final thoughts, anything that you just want to say a quick blurb about that we didn't touch on before we jump no, off? No, I think we covered it. I hope that all your people, your peeps will come out and visit us at Grape Juice, or they can always give me a call. My number's up on the website. That's ultimate gift of the ultimate gift of life.com. And they can go up there and register themselves too. That would be great. If anytime someone can do that. And I'm sure that you would gratefully accept any donations, even if you don't want a tree at any time. Or oh, any you know, point. I forgot about that. There's a special thing on here. I've talked to Brenda Thompson at the Dietert Center, who is over the Meals on Wheels program here. So if we have people who just want to make a donation, but not necessarily get a tree, they can make a donation and we will get a tree to a homebound Meals on Wheels person. Um, their drivers last year delivered about 18 of my trees because people did that. They chose to make a donation and then we got the trees out to those seniors. So they had a little bit of life, a little bit of life and light in their place. That's awesome. Thank you, Christy, again for joining us. Thank we really you. appreciate you being here. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. That'll do it for us today. Thank you so much. And we're, we're out. We'll see you next time. Have a good evening. Uh, Gilbert and I will be on later this week. We'll catch you then. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, member FINRA SIPC, Texas Hill Country Advisors, and not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of Andrew Gay, Gilbert Pies, and Texas Hill Country Advisors, and not those of Next Financial Group. The S&P 500 is a market cap-weighted index composed of common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks.